Hi, and welcome to Health, Wealth and the Pursuit of Happiness, a podcast that will empower you to live a more inspired life and find real freedom. Each episode, Mark Dale Mazer and Aries Jimenez discuss best life practices, covering topics ranging from health and well-being, to true wealth and our relationship to money, to understanding what real freedom and happiness really is. They provide tools and a system for helping you live a balanced, authentic life in complete harmony with your mind, body and soul. Greetings and salutations to all of our listeners. Yes, the listeners of Health, Wealth and the Pursuit of Happiness. I am your co-host, Mark Dale Mazer. And I am your other co-host, Aries Jimenez. And we are very pleased to bring to you a excellent speaker and guest on a really interesting topic. Our guest is Kathleen Lindquist. She's a certified financial planner in our office here at San Diego Wealth. And she has developed a true niche, or niche, shall I say, which is helping people, clients, invest their money in accordance with their values. And it's really exciting work. Aries and I have witnessed the very beginning of it and the growth of it. We thought it was relevant because on the wealth side of health, wealth, and the pursuit of happiness, this is a major piece because it's lining up with a piece of who you are when you're doing this kind of work. And so we really wanted to share her story with the world and kind of what she's doing. And so that's exactly what this episode is going to be about, socially responsible investing. What can you tell us a little bit more about Kathleen? Well, Mark, Kathleen has been working in personal finance for the last 15 years. She's involved in our local community here. Uh, She's on the board of the San Diego FPA as well as she helps lead the Women's Initiative, which is focused on creating creative and collaborative environment for women advisors here locally. She's happily married and has two wonderful boys. She enjoys horseback riding. And one thing I'll tell you about Kathleen is she has just a positive energy about her. When I first met her, there was just something about her that you're just like, man, what is that? She just, she shines. And very thankful that she's she's here and she's part of the team and really looking forward to her shining her light as she talks about how to invest in a way that lines up with your values. And so with that introduction, we bring to you Kathleen Lindquist. Kathleen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you both. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, so glad you could join us today. So Kathleen, I know you are a big believer in socially responsible investing. If you don't mind sharing with the audience exactly what that is and why would somebody want to invest that way? Mm, That's a great question. You know, socially responsible investing is going by a lot of names that some people are familiar with now. So there's impact investing, ESG investing, socially responsible investing, sustainable responsible investing. It all falls under the same category of aligning your money with your values. 
So if you're the type of person that reads an article in the paper that this company is attached to how the Amazon is on fire and they're profiting from deforestation, or this company treats their employees terribly and you don't want to support them anymore, when you go to the store, it's the idea of taking your larger piles of money, your thousands, your ten thousands, your millions, whatever it may be for you personally, and also not supporting those companies and also not profiting from those companies because you're invested with them by buying their stock or investing in the bonds that they offer. This way, you can take larger pools of money and invest it with your values. So you can align it with companies that are treating their employees well. They are treating the environment well. And it has a profound effect. We've started to see different CEOs taking action, knowing that the impact that they have out there in the world is a driver for how people view them. And that is a business risk that they have to manage, that they don't want to be the bad actor out there because people will move their investments, they'll move their accounts, they'll move their money, they'll stop using their service or their goods. And so they have been much more active in the last decade trying to show the good that they're trying to do in the world and show the positive impact that they have out there because people really care about this. They don't want to profit from anything they don't believe in. They'd rather have their investments working for them and align with their heart and their values. How did you come across the, the idea and you know, when did you actually like say, you know what, this is something that I want to do? Like, what, what was your story behind it? You know, I was managing my sister's account and she came to me and said, I want to be invested in this socially responsible way. And I had to do a lot of research because as fiduciaries, we have to do what's in our client's best interest. So I had to make sure that these mutual funds or ETFs, whatever I was going to use for her, was the best thing I could find for her. It had to be a good investment on top of the fact that it had to be socially responsible. And the more I found out that you know, there's a world of socially responsible investing out there that can compete very highly with all these other type of mutual funds and investments out there. But then there was another layer that I found out of how these different companies are pushing corporations to do better. So there is no perfect company with no carbon footprint, no disgruntled employees, perfect everything. But if you have these, you know, we use mutual funds here that the mutual fund companies look at these different corporations and look into how they're actually changing. And if they are trying to, you know, recycle more water or to use less fossil fuels in the way that they do business, they're trying to improve their employees' lives or improve the lives of the societies where they do business, then that is the type of company that you may want to support. And so you could have an airline company and yes, they do burn gasoline as a part of how they do business. So environmentally, they may not be rated very high, but the way they treat their employees and their customers, it, you know, they give back to different places, then that could be a company that you want to support because they're supporting people in the way that they affect them in their lives. Now, I know when you first brought up the idea, like this was a new concept for me, but once you explain what social responsible investing is, to me, it made sense. I imagine for most people, they probably have never even heard of this way of investing. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the the history? Like how did it come about? Because I know that it's actually been around for a while, but most a lot of people don't know that this type of investing exists. 
Yeah. And it, a lot of it started with what we call negative screening, where people say, I don't want to do business with any company with a footprint inside of this country. A lot of people were trying to boycott doing business in South Africa during apartheid, or they have boycotted Sudan for some of the civil rights violations happening there. And some people would say, I don't want to invest in any company that makes money off of tobacco or alcohol. They, you know, there's a list of things that people wanted to avoid. And that's part of where this all started. People wanted to make social change and use their dollars to leverage that social change. Or they wanted to avoid things that they did not believe with. They didn't want to put their money where something that was against their values. And it's really come to develop over the years where now we call it ESG investing, E meaning environmental, S meaning social, and G meaning governance, where we look at these different factors under those three screens and we want to see positive allocations. So we want to see that these companies are doing positive things in the environmental realm, realm, which could be that they are putting in policies to try to curb the climate change in the way that they contribute to it or reduce their pollution, recycle more water, whatever the environmental effects could be. The social aspects could be that they have very good ways of treating their employees or the places in the communities where they do business, they are treating these societies well. They're not usurping the resources and things like that. They're trying to give back to these communities to make a positive impact. And under governance, you could see things like, you know, is the CEO paid 3 million times what the average worker is paid? Do they have diversity on their board? Do they have both gender diversity and racial diversity on their board? And it's very interesting because all these positive things that you can screen for so that your values are reflected in your investments have actually over time come to show positive business returns as well. So by having more diversity on a board, it's been linked in numerous studies to having better employee retention and better strategies that come out of it. And you can imagine, you know, you have a, say a board of 20 people, but they all look the same. They may all have the same life experiences. They may all think the same, but if you can kind of shake up that that 20 people so that there's different ideas, there's different experiences and strategies coming to the table, you can come up with better strategies overall. And these companies have been able to perform better as a part of it. And that's all about investing is, you know, you're profiting along with these companies. So if you can profit with a company that's making a positive change in the world, and do just as well as if you were, you know, weren't necessarily screening for these kinds of things, which one would you want? If you could have a positive change and the same amount of return compared to, you know, not screening for these extra things and having that same return, which one would you want? I mean, personally, even without considering a positive effect in the world, which is wonderful, but if you could have the same portfolio, but with an extra level of research done, wouldn't you want an extra level of research done on any investment that you would do? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, to me, it just makes so much sense. I know in the news recently, and we've talked about this just very shortly, but how they, they there was talk of a number of the top CEOs coming together and just redefining what a what an actual corporation is, what a, what a company needs to stand for. You know, there's a term that's thrown out there like conscious capitalism. You know, I think one of the main differences too is when you describe you know socially responsible companies, they talk about stakeholders versus shareholders. 
you know, can you touch on that a little bit? And what does that mean to you? Well, I think it's really great those CEOs that signed that agreement recently that they're not just in business for the shareholders anymore, that there are these different stakeholders. They're beholden to their employees that work for them. Richard Branson has a really famous line that says, if you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your customers. And I think a lot of his success is due to the fact that he takes care of his employees. If you fly on Virgin Airlines, it's a completely different experience than any other airline. And he's not trying to cut costs and cut corners so that his bottom line is bigger. He's trying to take care of his employees and have highly trained employees that are happy and then knowing that that will turn around and translate to customers. What's really encouraging is seeing that these CEOs, and a lot of them are, you know, they're some of the biggest companies we have in this country, that they are signing this in an open letter, they're putting it out there, and they're becoming good role models for other CEOs to follow suit. Affecting positive change. Yeah. That's where it starts. So one of the cool things about socially responsible investing is... One of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves is who are we? And another important question is why are we here? What makes this conversation I think relevant to what we're doing with the podcast is a person that is wired in such a way that they would want to line up their values with their money is really a part of who they are. So when you're talking to clients, how do you know Who's a good candidate for social responsible portfolios? Mm, that's a great question. Because I think I've found that some people seem to think that this is an issue or a type of movement associated with a certain type. And to me, it's really not a young or an old thing. It's not a left or a right thing. It's not a red state, blue state thing. I think about it as either just a smart investor from the bare minimum. You know, we can't do any socially responsible investing unless it's the best thing that we could possibly provide to you. So number one, it has to be a good investment. But going back to there's an extra level of research there. Wouldn't you opt in for that extra level of research? As you guys know, we put out a newsletter for our responsible investing clients so that they can see the positive impact their money is making above and beyond their statement and their growth or loss for the month. And one of the recent articles we had was about how this ESG level of research found that Equifax did not live up to the data security and the training and the ongoing support that they should have had compared to all their other competitors. So they opted out of investing that stock. And the timing was unbelievable. Was, you know, Within weeks, the breach was announced and the stock price fell. So I think that anybody is a good candidate for it. The biggest challenge right now is that there's probably a number of challenges right now. One being that not enough people know about it or at least what it really is. They've read a couple articles, they've heard about it. It has so many different names, like I mentioned at the beginning, that people feel like it might be a good fit, but they're not exactly sure what it is. The second challenge can be that it's not clear which advisors are doing it and not doing it. So, you know, when my sister asked me to create this portfolio for her, I found it fascinating where I was trying to find these best mutual funds, but I also had to find mutual funds that were living up to doing the work. They were not just, you know, 
calling themselves a green bond fund or an ESG this or that, they were actually walking the walk. They were, you know, applying these metrics. They were going out and filing shareholder resolutions. They were voting the proxies that came to them, you know, sometimes against management, but along with their values. And they were trying to advocate with these companies to make this positive change. So I found all of that very fascinating. And you imagine as financial planners, we have to know retirement savings rates and all these different investments. We have to be up to date on the tax code changes. We have to know so many different areas, the seven different areas, as well as know each of our clients, that to take on a whole nother level of research and development, you have to be passionate about it. And I was passionate about it. So I spent over a year researching this, diving into it, finding the right investments, developing the portfolio. And so there's not that many advisors out there, comparatively speaking, that are offering this for clients. And I think the third reason that the people that align with this haven't been able to do it is that there's a lot of myths out there. A lot of advisors are saying these myths to their clients that if you invest in a responsible way, you can't make as much money as if you just invested normally. And that may have been true years ago when this first started out with the negative screenings and trying to avoid certain industries. But there have been so many studies that have disproved that in the last few decades that that is not true anymore. However, a lot of advisors still say that to their clients. Some advisors go so far as to say, well, why don't we just keep you invested the way you are? And at the end of the year, take some money out of your investments and write a check to a charity. And that's how you can align your money with your values. So I think that if people can overcome those three challenges, if they can become more informed about what it is, and that's our job, honestly, I feel as financial planners and investment professionals, that we need to be the ones educating people and letting them know. And the second thing would be that for advisors who feel like they may be passionate about this to reach out and do that extra level of education and research, even though our plates can be full from time to time, that if you think you're passionate about this, start reaching out because there is a community of financial professionals that are dedicated to this that love talking about it like me. And then third of all, don't believe the myths. If you have an advisor and you talk to them and they say something like, you know, write a check to charity or you won't make as much money in that type of investing, then find an advisor who knows what the ESG impact investing, SRI investing is really about and talk to them as well. You know, it's always good to get a second opinion. I remember in the early days that we started doing it here at the firm and you started to put together the SRI portfolio, you had talked about this particular company, I think it was a trucking company, that had really, as a result of, was it actual stakeholder or shareholder pressure, ended up making some monumental changes in the way they were actually running the company. Is that, do you remember that story? Yeah, that is a great example. Could you go into a little detail about that? Because I thought that was so cool. Yeah, so that's a great way of how these mutual fund companies are reaching out to corporations to help them change in a positive way. So Mark, like you said, it was a trucking company who you may not necessarily consider socially responsible. But honestly, we all are buying things that usually come in on a truck. So we're all part of that. And that's just a part of daily life. And this mutual fund company 
reached out to the trucking company to try to initiate a change for them. Now, there is a law right now that is as long as you own $2,000 of any corporation stock, you can file a shareholder resolution, meaning I'm a shareholder and I want you to take action or look into this specific issue affecting your company because it's probably a drag on your company or it's a risk you have out there. I think it could be improved. So these mutual fund companies, the ones that I have considered to do enough of the ESG to actually be doing the real work, they file shareholder resolutions with companies asking them to make changes in specific areas. So in this example, they reached out to a trucking company, they own some of their stock, they had read through their employee handbook and had realized that they did not have the anti-discrimination language that protected LGBT employees. So they reached out to him, filed a shareholder resolution and said, can you add these four words to your handbook? Don't rewrite the whole thing. You don't need a whole section. Include four more words and you will protect LGBT employees from discrimination. And a lot of times with shareholder resolutions, it starts a dialogue with the board. So corporations will invite this mutual fund company in, let them share why they should do it, you know, show them the risk that they may be running. Sometimes it can be that you should be recycling more water and they can show them how their competitor has been recycling more water, which is a huge expense. So they can improve their bottom line by recycling water and they'll even show them how to do it. So it's a very positive dialogue a lot of times, but sometimes it isn't. And in the case of this trucking company, they did not really start a dialogue. They just immediately said no. But what does happen when you file a shareholder resolution is that it goes to the annual meeting and all the shareholders are going to get to vote. So this mutual fund company paid for a representative from their firm to fly out to the annual meeting for this trucking company. That person got three minutes to talk to all the shareholders. Then the CEO got three minutes to talk and then everybody votes. Now, in a lot of cases, when something gets a 20% positive vote, 30%, 40%, the board and the C-suite will start to take notice and realize that this is something people care about, and they'll start to take action. In this case, over 50% of the vote went positively for protecting the LGBT employees. And so they created a task force, they changed the employee handbook, and now LGBT employees are protected from discrimination at that firm. Yeah, I think that's really a great story. Because so often we think that large institutions, be it on the corporate side, the political side, whatever it is, that we're powerless. But now we know that's not necessarily true. And when other organizations are taking more of a, a position to improve socially, environmentally, or in the area of governance, they can now vote within the system. I mean, they can actually move and change company behavior, just for example, in the way that you described which really gives, I think, a great example that theoretically in a public company, that's what makes it a public company. Not only that its shares are sold in the public markets, but that everybody that has a stake technically has a voice. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a big enough stake, you can get a three-minute slot at a board meeting or at a shareholder meeting, rather, right? and make your case. And I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. And that's what I like about how it has moved from a negative screening instead of saying, don't invest in trucking. There's too many carbon emissions or whatever your your point may be about that. But to say, I want to invest with the positive people through this ESG lens, the people that are leading their industry in this way. But it also creates space for companies that may be kind of lagging behind on where their industry is going or the protections for people or the environment 
allowing these mutual funds to come in and buy some of their shares, again, only if it's a good investment as well. But then it creates this dialogue and this place for them to come together and try to affect positive change in companies that may not have necessarily taken that path if these mutual funds had not gotten involved with them and had shown them the way to make these changes. Yeah, right, exactly. How do you see the growth in social responsible investing where do you see it in two to five years? I think that from all the studies I've seen and from all the research I've been doing, it is going to blow up. And that's, it's mostly due that women care quite a bit about how they're investing and who they're affecting with their money. And we have a large wealth transfer happening where, you know, as we know, women have longer life expectancies, so they inherit a lot of wealth. We also see the next biggest demographic that care about this are millennials. Millennials are a generation that are now have decent careers, are making good money, and they really do care about the change that their money can make in the world. They want to make money and have financial peace, but they also care about the way they make that money and what companies are invested in. And we see this also in the social responsible ESG investing world. Part of my research that was are these companies, these mutual funds that do this work, really doing the work is so important because there are so many mutual fund companies, ETF companies out there that realize that people want this. They realize that people are asking for this. And so they've created their funds and their different holdings, their securities that say green or ESG or responsible but if you if you're somebody like me who knows I want people that kind of eat sleep breathe this the the funds in our portfolio they don't do normal investing and ESG investing they're 100% in ESG investing and they file shareholder resolutions you can look up how funds have voted their proxies and a lot of times these mutual funds that we use vote against management Whereas a lot of these other companies that are calling themselves ESG are voting with management every time, even if it's not necessarily with the values you would think a fund would have with ESG in mind. So it's it's a wave that's coming. And again, I think that there's not enough advisors out there that are can know exactly how to capture that. I think that the word is getting out to people and the fact that they realize they can be investing this way is just, it's like a fire that's spreading through people's hearts and minds and wallets. And they they want to have their own financial peace and make sure that their money is doing well for them, but also that they're not hindering somebody else. You know, they're not investing in some corporation that has child labor overseas. They don't want to hurt anybody else while they make their money. They want to make sure that they're, part of the positive change in the world. Yes. So I'd also say that I think the gender gap or whatever you want to call it, the need, and I think for us as a planet, we would be so much better off if more women were in more higher offices of authority and leadership, both in government and in business. With respect to let's say the governance and the social part, have you seen much activism for companies either in the governance side or the social part of it, giving more opportunity for women in these leadership positions? Absolutely. We actually utilize a fund in our portfolio that is designed 
that will only invest in companies that have gender diversity on their boards. So you have to have enough women on your board before they'll even consider investing in your company. So it's a very select group of stocks that can be considered. The good news is that the amount of stocks that can be considered is growing. Because again, that research I mentioned that the more diverse board you have, there are good cases for businesses that they end up stronger after all, and they get, you know, better results, business metrics out of it. So we do see this movement. We definitely look at gender equality or the gender pay gap, things like that as a part of it. But, you know, men are very interested in this too. There's definitely a large amount of men, you know, I mentioned women and millennials, but there's a large amount of men that really care about this. And so while we see such an overwhelming amount in these other two demographic areas, overall, we're just becoming a society that feels like we are connected. We are connected to things that happen overseas. We're connected to things that happen in nature. And we don't want to be a part of the problems that we see out there. So if I'm a client and I'm sitting across from you, and you maybe, I guess, maybe have a sense that maybe I might be a good candidate for SRI, what kind of conversations are you having with them? Well, I think a lot of times, if you were a new client and we're getting to know each other, we've gone through a lot of conversations at this point. We've probably done some questionnaires and things. And if it is the right fit for you, I would explain it to you very well. You know, being a fiduciary, it has to be the absolutely right fit. And then just talking through the extra level of research that happens, the positive impact you can be connected to, the newsletter you're going to receive every month. I was just talking to a client last week about it, and I showed her the newsletter, and she said, well, how many other portfolios do you guys have where I'll get a newsletter? And I said, well, none, because other portfolios are just investing for you. So when you get your monthly statement and you see how your account balance has changed, that's kind of your news on how your investments have done. You're going to get your statement with these just like the others, and you're going to see how your investment has done. But this one is going to send you a link to the positive impact. And the nice thing about it is that it's not a newsletter about what ESG investing in the world is doing out there. It's about your specific mutual funds in your portfolio have gone out and tried to make these changes or have successfully made these changes in the world. So it's a direct connection between your money investments and the positive change you have made in the world that you're part of. With respect to your sister's request, how long ago was that? That's a good question. I would guess 2009. So 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And how did... How did you fulfill that for her at the time? Did you just steer her in the right direction of some funds or what What actually took place and how is she doing with it? Is she still in it? She is still in it to this day. She is. It looks very similar to how it first started out, rebalancing and all that too. But it was a fascinating rabbit hole that I went down because the more I learned about it, the more I wanted to learn about it, the more I read about it. And there's just so many different ways to look at it and think about it. And these positive changes that have ripple effects. So if you think this mutual fund company reached out and filed a shareholder resolution and what came out of that, and then they were able to take that positive change and go to their competitor and say, okay, you need to do this too, because you're going to be behind in five years if you don't start instituting this now. Let us show you how to do it. So that was really the starting point for me of 
becoming passionate about it, the more I learned about it. And so it was very interesting because I had to create a well diversified portfolio for her. You know, she had to have the proper risk level, the proper allocations. And so it allowed me to reach into a lot of different mutual fund families and pull out their top performer, you know, and if I needed a slice of her portfolio pie to be emerging markets or to be international stocks or US large cap growth stocks, It was interesting to do that research of who's the best performing ESG mutual fund to create this whole very diversified pie for her. So she's doing really well. Yeah. Excellent. How do you think it's changed you as an advisor? I do think that there's a lot of talk in our community that ESG investing or the socially responsible investing could easily become the way that investing is done in the future, all investing. It could be investing done right. Because if you could do an extra layer of research and mitigate a lot of risks in the portfolio because that company looked deeper inside of that, the corporation they were thinking of investing in, or if you you know, you know, don't want to be a part of some of the negative things happening in the world, then you would want this extra level of research. So it doesn't really matter as an investor, it's so compelling that you would want this just from a, a level of risk control and smart investing standpoint that if you're in it for the proper investment reasons, this is a great way to go. If you're in it for your heart and soul reasons, this is a great way to go. And a lot of us fall somewhere in between where we want good returns, but we also have some sort of our heart and values in in there, anybody on that spectrum is going to find a good fit. So I think that this may be something that starts to get applied much more broadly. We're going to see a big change, I think, over the next five to 10 years, where almost everybody has to be able to do this or at least talk about it intelligently, because there's going to be so many people that are interested and care. Aries, any other thoughts for Kathleen? Well, Kathleen, I know for for you and and your work here with the firm, constructing kind of the the SRI portfolio has been a passion project of yours, and it's been really cool to see you kind of you know build that out. What are some other ideas, or you know, where do you plan on on taking it, and how do you see yourself you know growing and evolving with it? Mm. You know, I think that this is so important that I just want to share it with the world. So we have already created the presentation that we give for clients and the general public so that they can understand it more. We take them through the basics and the different changes that the positive changes this has created in the world, as well as that you can have this fully asset allocated and diversified portfolio. No matter if you're aggressive investor or moderate investor, conservative investor, we can do that for you. But I really do think that this is important. And one of my next steps will be to create some information that I can actually give to other advisors. I just see this as such a positive change that if people can invest with their values, then let's say that they moved money that used to be at a a corporation that had terrible ways of treating their employees. And then we aligned it with corporations that were treating their employees well. And you think about the positive change of that. If an employee can go to work and be safe and have a decent work environment where they're not, their health isn't suffering and they're treated okay and they're able to go home to their families and know that they have the health there to help take care of their families, 
how much greater that family is going to be doing. You know, those children are going to grow up in a more stable home. And, you know, that's just going to create so much change above and beyond that. You know, from that aspect, I see the ripples going out that this positive change can just ripple out into communities. But I also feel like it needs to ripple through the advisors. It's our job as the people that are, we're the stewards of other people's money. We are the shepherds that need to align that money with where it's supposed to go. And I feel like it is such a big lift on top of all the other things that we need to know about to get our arms around what this really is and what isn't it. And how do we talk to clients about it? And how can you put this into practice for clients? That that's one of the biggest barriers for financial planners and financial advisors that they need to overcome that. And so if I can get them from point A of where they are today to point B, being comfortable and confident and knowing how to bring this to their clients when they ask for it, then more people will be investing this way, which will just create you know, a better world out there. And so I'd like to, you know, I don't want to selfishly keep this all to myself. I want to spread the good word to other advisors, empower other advisors to help their clients. And I just think that's what I found in that community as well is that everyone wants to help each other. Everyone wants to share best practices. We all want to spread the good word. I think that a world investing with an ESG lens over how they where they put their money is a better world. So I just want to make the world a better place. Amen to that, sister. <laughs> no, it's great. So in our listening audience, we probably have, I'm going to guess, a percentage of people that are listening and they go, wow, that is really cool. Might want a piece of the action there in that, not action from necessarily investment standpoint, but they want to sort of do something positive in the world. And this is a way of somewhat making a difference, putting your money with a company that is actually moving towards being a change in the world and a very positive change. So for just the general consumer, if they wanted to learn more about this on their own, are there any recommended books articles, websites that might give them some additional information or history or testimonials about it? You know, if you are looking into this, there are a lot of great books out there that are all about investing with your values, with your heart, with your money. They use different words for it, but there's a lot of good references out there. I would caution you to try to keep the books that you look into maybe within the last 10 years or 15 years at least, because so much has changed and so much information has changed. But there's a lot of great information coming out because so many people are hungry for it. So many people want to know more. So there's a lot of great information out there. If there are some professionals and advisors out there that are interested in learning more about it for themselves to maybe become a little active themselves with their clients in this area, where would they go? Mm, that's Is a great that where question. They would go? I would look in your own community. I'm really a proponent of connecting with other local advisors and planners. And so I'm connected with a number here in our local community that are interested in this. We all collaborate and share ideas. When I was doing the research for my sister's portfolio, I was kind of doing it just me at a computer, divulging into anything I could find and figuring it out on my own 
which took a lot of time. But at that case, I was falling down the rabbit hole. And so it was just what I was going to do. Then I started going to conferences that were specifically designed for this type of investing. And so I found that to be very helpful in navigating things. And, you know, I'm always happy to talk to other advisors who are interested in this. So I'd be happy if people wanted to email me or call and I would talk to them and kind of find out where they're at right now and then point them in the right direction of where I think their next steps could be. Okay, great. We'll have that in the show notes. And for those of you that maybe will not look at the show notes, I can tell you right now that you can reach her by email at Kathleen at sandiegowealth.com, Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N, at sandiegowealth.com. Aries, my co-host and colleague, any closing thoughts? I don't have any closing thoughts. I mean, Kathleen, was there anything that you did not get to talk about that you'd like to maybe bring up now? Anything come to mind for you? I think we got through a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of lot of great, valuable information for yeah. sure. Well, I do want to thank you very much for sharing, number one. I think I can speak for Aries when we say we are super stoked and very excited that you have stepped up in a big way with this, which not only makes us different and better, but it benefits the world. And it makes us feel good about ourselves too. So thank you, Kathleen. You're welcome. I'm so excited to talk about it and be on the podcast. I'm a big fan. Well, it's been great to have you. We hope we can have you back again and maybe do, who knows, maybe a part two. Ooh, that'd be great. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Kathleen. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to rejoining in the next episode. Bye for now. Securities, insurance, and advisory services are offered through SagePoint Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Additional investment advisory services offered through San Diego Wealth Management, LLC, not affiliated with SagePoint Financial, Inc. Listed entities are unaffiliated, and there is no guarantee that a company or fund focused on sustainability or responsible investing will outperform any other company or fund in any given market environment. Some of the concepts and tools used in the process of helping you discover a more balanced and inspired life are provided by the Kinder Institute, Money Quotient, and The Strategic Coach. These may be referenced throughout different episodes of the podcast, and you can learn more about each of them in our show notes at hwph.org. You can also find more information about the work Mark and Aries do at sandiegowealth.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and available directly via email with feedback, questions, and more at us at hwph.org. Thank you all for listening.